if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock and we are underway on AM 1420. The answer. It's a Monday. It's the 10th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2021. And we've got a couple of very great guests coming up in about 40 minutes at 948. The regular Monday visit from Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio's fourth congressional district representative and uh, the ranking member on the House Judiciary Committee. And he is not very happy about work being done on the House Judiciary Committee, specifically about on what the chairman of that committee, Jerry Nadler, has prioritized over all of the issues that are currently facing this country. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, it's May 5th, and this is our first full committee hearing. There's a crisis at the border. The president is talking about abolishing ICE. Our local communities are being threatened by the left's movement to defund the police. You're trying to pack the Supreme Court. The teachers union are stopping kids from going to school. President Biden is bankrupting the country one omnibus bill at a time. And a virus continues to threaten our civil rights. But the House Judiciary's first full committee hearing this Congress is oversight of the Copyright Office. Right? Can it be any more simplified? All of those continual crises, all of those concurrent crises, like my alliteration there, but they are. They are going on at the same time. They are concurrent. All of these things are going on, and the House Judiciary Committee finally holds its first full committee hearing, and they want to talk about copyright issues. Yeah, we're going to talk about copyrights. Not all of those things that Jim Jordan just uh, talked about. So, yeah, we're going to give him some room to roll uh, coming up at 948 on all of those things. Then at 1010, we're going to talk with the uh, chair of the Strongsville Republican Club. Great organization, super, super strong in terms of membership. I was pleased and uh, honored to be uh, asked to speak to them last month and uh, had what I thought was a great turnout. That was nothing compared to what's coming up on Saturday. On Saturday, huge, huge event at the Strongsville Republican Club, headlined by keynote speaker Candace Owens. 
Candace will be in Cleveland. Uh, I'm going to be there, and I hope you're going to be there, too. But Shannon Burns is going to tell us all about the big event coming up, the summit, the political summit from the Strongsville Republican Club. That'll be at 1010 this morning. So Jim Jordan and Shannon Burns are going to be our guests, and I certainly welcome you to be a guest as well at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. What do you say we get our day started the way we always do? By ticking off liberals everywhere and paying homage to this great country with our our pledge of allegiance patriots please stand put your hand on your heart unless you're driving leftists take your literal knee i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all Liberty and justice for all are guaranteed us, are promised us, are protected for us each and every day by dedicated servants to the community. Those servants are usually called peace officers. You may know them as police officers. Today is the beginning of National Police Week. And I want to start with the obvious just by saying thank you to every person, male or female, by the way, those are the only options. To ma- every person, male or female, who wears the uniform, who has ever worn the uniform, who has ever waded into dangerous territory or a dangerous situation in order, pr- order to protect innocent life, who have had to make life and de- death decisions on a split second's notice without the benefit of play-by-play video, frame-by-frame, slow motion, checking to see if everything was done right. To anybody and everybody who has ever done something to protect and serve wearing that blue uniform, thank you. Um, National Police Week events are being postponed. The actual, you know, ceremony and pageantry events that they hold are being postponed until October, uh, in deference to the ongoing pandemic, or at least what's left of the ongoing pandemic. But this is the official police week. It is this week, uh, uh through, uh, through Saturday. And national organizations, uh, host organizations rather, which include the National Law Enforcement Memorial, Memorial and Museum, the Fraternal Order of Police and Auxiliary, the concerns of police survivors. They've all made the difficult but necessary decision due to health concerns and uh, uh, disease concerns, etc., to postpone the in-person events to October 13th to the 17th. But we will stay, uh, or, or still rather, and stay, with our uh, meth- message during this official National Police Week of thanks and, uh, and, and, quite frankly, defense of our defenders. And that's the way I see it, and I'm going to say this very clearly and bluntly. Those of you who hate cops and think that because of a few, and they are so extraordinarily few, because of a few incidents of cops who were less than honorable in their dealings with given situations, or those who were honorable but just made bad decisions in the moment that have turned out to be the wrong decisions, and they have paid terrible prices. In a nation of 330 to 350 million people, and with millions of police and civilian interactions every day across this country, let me say that again, millions of police and civilian interactions including violent confrontations every single day. The number of incidents of police uh, error or misconduct are so infinitesimally small, it's like the number of people who die of COVID. 
point zero 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 whatever it is percent of the general population that's how it is and that's the reality and for those who who are police haters or police critics for the way they do their jobs or the fact that again not everybody who has ever put on a badge has ever been perfect because you know every firefighter every teacher every line worker every accountant every priest every radio host every actor Every athlete, people in all of those walks of life, well, they are perfect. No one among them has ever failed at anything. None of them have ever been corrupt. None of them have ever been flawed. None of them have ever made decisions or bad decisions in a spur of the moment. And obviously, I say that with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek, because there is no one in any profession who is perfect. And yet, police are expected to be perfect which is, again, just another reason why we owe them the debt of gratitude we do. That is what they wake up and go on to the job with every single day, the expectation that they will save lives, they will protect the victimized, or they will respond to the victimized and protect would-be victims, and they will stop bad guys, and they will do it all perfectly without any error involved. That's what they go to work with every day, and that's why we need to recognize them. National Police Week shouldn't be a single week. It should be a daily occurrence. I put this on my Facebook this morning, and I'll leave it at that. Has anyone else, within the sound of my voice, and there's a lot of people, pulled up alongside a police car at a traffic light, or if they're in a place where you're not going to be in danger pulling up next to them, in other words, side of the road where they're running radar, you don't want to do that, but in a park, or if they are parked at a, at a fast food place, or any of those kinds of things. Have you ever pulled up alongside a police car, rolled your window down, gestured for them, the little circular motion to roll their window down, and just said to them, just wanted to say thank you for what you do, and please be safe. Have you ever done that? I can tell you, it is an extraordinary feeling. And the reason why, you drive away um, with almost, I don't want to say goosebumps and sound cheesy, but it's almost that. It's almost that little tingle of just, I made somebody's day, because you see it on their face. Because they face so much criticism on a daily basis. They face so much hatred and anger on a daily basis. And hell, that's just from people that they pull over for speeding. (laughs) <laughs> the hatred and the anger that they feel, not to mention, of course, the coordinated anti-police and defund the cops, uh, uh, you know, legislation and, and public calls by elected leaders, all of those kinds of things, too. It's a fantastic feeling because I know that when I do that sort of thing, I literally make their day. They don't get thank yous very often. And they certainly don't get people coming out of their way to thank them. Yeah, they may get thank yous if they save somebody. If they respond to a call in a domestic violence situation and they come and make an arrest, the victim in the domestic violence may say, thank you, thank you, thank you. But just from the general public, thank you for what you do, not for saving me in the moment, it's, um, it, it makes their day. It gives them the belief that, you know, the public isn't all against us. They're not all out to get us. They're not all out to reform us. They're not all out to lock us up or take our weapons away, or take our our jobs away, take our funding away. 
So what I want to say to you is if you've never done that, make a point of doing it during police week. That's what I put on my Facebook. Just make a point. You see a police car and an opportunity to pull up alongside it, just say thank you. Now, if you're really ambitious, you can do what some people have done. If you see a police car in your rearview mirror and you're in a drive through line, somebody put uh, on my uh, commented on my post today, early this morning, that they tell the uh, 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 fast food worker, hey, I want to pay for the car two, two uh, cars behind me. And they'll give them an extra 10 bucks or something and say, make sure this covers them. If there is, or if they see the police car in front of them, ready to pick up their order or ready to pay, but they're at the speaker now. They say, hey, that police car that's coming through there, how much is their bill? All right, I got it. Let them go. However you do that, um, that's above and beyond. I'm telling you, just give them a little wink and a smile and a thank you for what you do, and please be safe. It'll, it'll, it'll mean so much. If you've never done it before, like I said, please make a point of doing it. Um, make a, a point of doing that sometime this week. If you're out and about, any opportunity that you have, please Let's recognize National Police Week without just saying, hey, it's police week. Go police. Go go talk to an individual officer for two seconds and make their day. All right, 919, we are off and running. We've got a lot of uh, things to talk about today. I wanted to dedicate the first uh, segment of the show to police and National Police Week, but now we've got work to do. Let's do it together at 216-901-0945 right after this. Okay, 924 now. Correction, 925 and 1420, the answer. Um, I'm glad that I had the Police Week discussion to have at the opening because it allowed me to separate uh, this show from the end of Hugh Hewitt's show. And uh, that was a good thing today because I needed that buffer zone to tamp down my frustration with everything that I heard. I love Hugh so much. I do. He is such a brilliant man. One of the smartest people that I have the, I've ever had the privilege of meeting, really. I mean, he is encyclopedic in his knowledge of the Constitution, his knowledge of the law, knowledge of politics, knowledge of history, serving in White Houses. I mean, he's, he's just one of the most brilliant men I know. And um, he's center-right. That's his acknowledgement. He's center-right. He's not me. He's not Kersenow. He's not far-right, uh, which I wear proudly, by the way. That's not, a, that's not a negative moniker. It's not a slur to say that you're far-right. It means you are just truly conservative and believing a believer in liberty and the Constitution. But he's center-right, and as such, sometimes we disagree. Uh, it's rare, but we do, sometimes. And this is one of those times. I listened to that entire last half hour about the uh, vaccinations, and he was asking people why they are not getting vaccinated. He's, he wants this whole country 100% vaccinated, and he wants uh, uh, herd immunity and so on and so forth, something that I believe is scientifically impossible when the quote-unquote vaccine is not actually a vaccine that provides immunity. Vaccinations slash inoculations in the traditional sense of the word, in the scientific sense of the word, of those words, is to immunize you from a virus, to immunize you, to make you immune to it, not to just lessen the severity of it. And if you are to become immune from it, and everybody gets is immune to it once you get it, that might make it a worthwhile call to say everybody should go ahead and roll the dice and get vaccinated to create, quote-unquote, herd immunity. This 
vaccine in particular the two non-vaccines where they're not using actual dead virus cells uh only johnson and johnson does that and there's all kinds of other issues i don't want to even get into the ethics of it all but the mrna vaccines that pfizer and moderna have put out are not vaccines in the sense that they immunize you they don't they they fully admit and acknowledge even the vaccine uh campaign propagandists that are out there including my friend hugh um you know, they, they fully acknowledge this doesn't immunize you. That's why they tell you you still have to wear a mask, because you can still get it after you've been immunized, not know it, but get it, and then spread it. So it's clearly not an immunization. It is a, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's an experimentation. And as I have said hundreds, if not thousands of times in the last you know, eight months since the vaccine became available, right? Around seven months, I guess, back going back to November. I am not going to tell you not to get vaccinated. Not my business. And I always will tell you if you do want to get vaccinated, where you can do it. vaccinated, you can where you can do it easily and professionally and quickly with the, with the, the least amount of inconvenience possible. I'll tell you, go to Discount Drug Mart. But I'm not taking a vaccine. And I know millions of other people aren't taking the vaccine because of the reasons that I just described, not to mention the ones that I haven't described. And Hugh this morning was taking calls from people who were giving him outstanding reasons to not take the vaccine, including the one about because I've already had COVID-19. I got my vaccine. I got my version of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is dead viral cells, except mine are stronger because they were live viral cells. I actually had COVID-19, and my body fought it off, and my body has been making antibodies ever since. You won't be happy, talking to Hugh and talking to other people, you'll be happy if I get in line and take the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is a 60% effectiveness rate, and literally is an immunizer in that it uses dead cells of the coronavirus to put into your body to uh, to give your immune system the opportunity to recognize that threat against your health and to build the antibodies to fight it off. That's what a real true vaccine is with viral cells, dead cells. You'll be happy if I get in that Johnson & Johnson line and take that and say, good job, patriot. You've, you, you now belong among the, uh, the vaccinated crowd at the baseball games. You get to sit with the vaccinated, uh, section on the airplane. If, and as a matter of fact, they may not allow the unvaccinated section to exist. But great job. You've gotten the COVID-19 actual vaccine. But if I've already had something 10 times better than the dead virus in the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccination, if I've had the live cells of the virus because I had COVID-19 and recovered from it, why aren't you giving me the same respect? You've been vaccinated too. Good job. You get all of the benefits that are associated with the vaccinated as opposed to all of the negatives associated with the great unwashed among us. Now, mind you, I am not suggesting that vaccinated and people who have already had it should be treated better or differently than those who have not had it and been not vaccinated. In fact, just the opposite. I want to destigmatize the unvaccinated. I want to stop this this 
propaganda campaign that's being levied all across this country, and even by radio hosts that I have enormous amounts of respect for, under the belief that this experimental drug that's being pumped into people in a one-size-fits-all program, whether you're 8 or 80, whether you're healthy or have comorbidities, whether you're lean or overweight, everybody takes the same thing, and we'll, we'll see what happens. That's an experiment, not a health directive. I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue to stigmatize people who don't get it. And I want to have the debate with those who disagree. 216-901-0945, Join me. of Democrats. Please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Yes, indeed. Now 936 AM 1420. The Answer. There's a story from a couple of months ago as the vaccine push was in full swing uh, on the Daily Wire, highlighting the high percentage of frontline workers, including healthcare workers, Refusing to take the COVID-19 vaccine. Follow the science. Well, here are the, some of the scientists, the healthcare workers who know a lot, who are choosing not to do this. Large percentages of healthcare workers in multiple states said they would not take the COVID-19 vaccine, with some citing a distrust of the political machinations behind the timeline of the vaccine's creation. The New York Post reported that the healthcare workers in California, New York City, Ohio, Texas, refusing to take the vaccine in large numbers. Many citing skepticism the vaccine would work without side effects, given how quickly it was developed and approved. Gee, does that sound familiar? Earlier this week, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine disclosed that about 60% of the nursing home workers in his state have so far chosen not to get the vaccine. More than half of the New York City EMS workers have shown skepticism. In California, surveys of healthcare workers at various hospitals have also shown a reluctance to take the vaccine, even though those in the industry are among the first in line to receive it. The LA Times reported that about 50% of the workers at St. Elizabeth Community Hospital in uh, Tehama County have refused to take the vaccine, even though it has been offered. About 20% of the workers at Providence Holy Cross Medical Center in Mission Hill, have also declined, according to the report. Roughly 20 to 40% of L.A. County's frontline workers who were offered the vaccine turned it down. Now, one would think that if the science is so settled in the medical community that the vaccine is safe and effective the way the propaganda campaign goes and that there's no reason to worry at all, one would think that if the science was settled in the medical community, the medical community would be rolling up their sleeves saying, jab me. Let's do this thing. But large numbers of them are not. Did you notice that skepticism across the general population is so high? We're now giving vaccines away to other countries. We've got a bunch of stockpiled here, and people don't want them. Perhaps because they're seeing and hearing things that they don't want to hear. According to Yale epidemiologist, Dr. Harvey Risch, now Dr. Risch is a distinguished professor of epidemiology at Yale. 
seems to be that on the left side of the political spectrum, only the grand poobah of epidemiology, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the highest paid federal employee in America, can be trusted with information about epidemiology. Except that Dr. Fauci has been wrong 84 separate times, and I'm making that number up just to illustrate the point, about how he's gone back and forth and been so wrong about so many things. Uh, since this whole thing began, maybe we ought to listen to another esteemed epidemiologist. And what Dr. Harvey Risch has to say, it ought to make you question whether or not the vaccine is as, quote, safe and effective as the propaganda machine says that it is. People on the right, people on the left, you know, there's a new campaign with Barack Obama telling everybody, go get it, go get it now. It's safe and effective, and it's the best way that we can return to normal. All of these things. Go get the vaccine. There's nothing wrong. Hugh, my friend, I said people on the right telling people, go get the vaccine. In fact, one of his callers toward the end of the show today said, I'm not getting it because, and he talked about all of the reasons why, and he said, no, please, please, please reconsider. Go get it anyway. Your your children your children need your full lifespan. What? I think the guy was in his 30s. I think he asked him, the guy's in his 30s. COVID-19 has a 99.8% plus recovery rate. Do you know how few people actually are dying from COVID-19 compared to those who get it? Do you know that only 1% to 5% of people who get COVID-19 have to go to the hospital for it? That 95 to 99% don't go to the hospital? Because of the symptoms they get are, are so weak and ineffective, or not ineffective, uh, 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 you know, less dangerous, I guess. Bill Maher, on Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher the other night. My wife and I were having a laugh at this because it popped up. We don't watch it, but, you know, sometimes the highlights pop up online in various places. And somebody got part of his monologue, and I'm not sure what day it was. But he's taking the Democrat Party to task for saying, do you know... That over 50%, no, let me rephrase. The question was, how many or what percentage of COVID diagnoses end up hospitalized? The percentage of people who are diagnosed with COVID COVID end up having to go to the hospital. And the answer is 1% to 5%. Then Bill Maher pointed out, and I'm not going to play it, but then Bill Maher pointed out that in a survey, Democrats ask what percentage of people who get COVID have to go to the hospital. 41% of Democrats thought that the number was 50% or more. I don't want to make that confusing. 41% of Democrats thought that over 50% of people who get COVID are hospitalized with COVID. The real answer is 1% to 5%. Now, why do they have that belief? Because they're listening to the fear campaign, the panic porn, being pushed by the propagandists. That's why. An additional 28%, I believe, was the number, and I'm trying to do this from memory from over the weekend, an additional 28% of Democrats thought that the number was uh, between 25 and 40%. So that means that if you add the 28 and the 41, uh, about 70% of Democrats believe that the number of people who have to be hospitalized because of COVID-19 is somewhere between 25 and uh, and 50%. The real answer is 1 to 5%. How can they be so wrong? How can they be so off on the numbers? And it's because they watch CNN, and because they watch MSNBC, and because they watch and read the Huffington Post, 
and on down the line. The fear porn producers are winning the battle of propaganda. And that's why so many of them are still wearing masks and getting shots and then still wearing two masks and, and how dare you come into my establishment or a place where I shop or a place where I, where I eat not wearing a fear mask. You probably haven't taken the patriotic jab yet either, have you? You get out of here unwashed. And this is the attitude that they have because they truly believe that people are, everybody who gets COVID is going to the hospital and a good number of them are dying. Less than one half of 1% of people who get it are dying. It's that music I hear. Holy cow, it's 944 already. I I was going to give you Dr. Harvey Risch here from Yale, who's the answer to the Dr. Fauci epidemiology, the counter uh, uh, speaker, I guess. I'll give you that later in the program, I promise. But Dr. Harvey Risch from Yale has got some numbers that will blow your mind if you think the numbers I just gave you are interesting, wait until you hear what he has to say about the number of people who are getting COVID-19 after their vaccinations. Mind-blowing doesn't even begin to describe it. 945, let's get moving. Jim Jordan is going to be joining us next on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 949 now on AM 1420, The Answer. Good Monday This is our first full committee hearing. There's a crisis at the border. The president is talking about abolishing ICE. Our local communities are being threatened by the left's movement to defund the police. You're trying to pack the Supreme Court. The teachers union are stopping kids from going to school. President Biden is bankrupting the country one omnibus bill at a time. And a virus continues to threaten our civil rights. But the House Judiciary's first full committee hearing this Congress is oversight of the Copyright Office. Nobody can say Jerry Nadler doesn't have his finger on the pulse of the nation, boy. He is all (laughs) over it, huh? Congressman Jim Jordan joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Congressman. Good morning, Bob. Uh, And you could add to that list uh, only only 260,000 jobs created last last (laughs) month when they thought it was going to be a million. and yet we're talking. I mean, not, not, look, the copyright office is important, you know, and, and, and copyrights and patents and those kind of things are important. You know, patents are mentioned in the Constitution. So it's not like we want to downplay that, but come on. Uh, the American people need, know what we need to be focused on, and, and obviously the Democrats aren't doing that. Well, you know, you're right. I'm sure there are a lot of things that are important, but if we were to make a priority list, where would the copyright <laughs> office fall on that? I mean, you know, probably far below just the few that you named right there. You could have kept going and going and going before we got to, and the copyright office. I mean, for yeah. goodness sakes. Um, Congressman, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll state the obvious here, and you can, t- you can do whatever you want with it. He does not want to address any of those things, because if you address those things in the full Judiciary Committee hearings, then you have to acknowledge they exist. They want to yep. continue to put their fingers in their ears and squeeze their eyes shut and say, I can't hear you, I can't hear I can't hear you, when you talk about a crisis at the border, when you talk about a, a, a job crisis, when you talk about all the things that you just listed, the civil rights over mm-hmm. the pandemic. You know, they want everybody to think things are going well. So how can we dare yeah. even talk about those in a committee hearing? Right. No, exactly. And it's, it's, it's even worse because they caused this to happen. 
I mean, when you spend the kind of money you spend, you get the kind of economy you get, and then they're talking about now raising your taxes and making it even worse. we got inflation out there. Gas prices is going up. Price of lumber is up. Price of steel is up. You talk to anyone, they can't find people to work. There are help-wanted signs. We're hiring signs everywhere you go. So they created this disaster. So obviously they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to address it. So they just stick their head in the sand, and they, they keep trying to say that, oh, uh, you know, they'll, they'll keep calling us names and they'll keep pointing to other things. And it's, and it's so sad because, uh, you know, we, we had such a great economy. Things were so good just a little over a year ago. Then this virus hits. We were coming out of it. But now the Democrats continue to just make things worse with their, uh, with their actions. Well, let's talk about one of their actions. One of those actions is to expand the uh, uh, unemployment benefits, which were supplemented even more, all the way through September sixth. And I don't think yep. it's going to end there. And uh, we, we've got, you know, we've got millions and millions of of job openings and a scant few people willing to take them now. And and Congressman, you know, this they expected over a million, as you pointed out, just in the month of April, they got two hundred sixty six thousand jobs filled. Um, you know, the, the part of this that's most frustrating to me is we're watching socialism in action and they don't realize it. A government yeah. that gives people enough money to subsist on their own is, is going to create a population that doesn't want to work for it. If they're always going right. to give it to me, that's what socialism is. We'll hand it out to you just enough for you to get by and to de-incentivize you having to work and own your own things, own your own property and on down the line. They're liter- we're literally watching an experiment in socialism right now. No, we sure are, and it's, uh, you know, when you pay people not to work, you shouldn't be surprised when you get less work. Um, that's exactly where we're at. Uh, people with common sense understand that. It seems like Democrats, again, I come back to the thing, this must be what they want. This must be their intention. You know, we've talked about the border. You can't put in place the policies they did. You can't undo the policies President Trump had in place and not expect some different outcome. They actually, it seems to me, that they intended for the, the crisis to actually take place that, that's happening on our border now. So um, it is frustrating. I, I think it, it just underscores, and now I know we're 18, 19 months away from, from the election, uh, and it seems like all we ever do sometimes is talk about elections, but I do think there is going to be a big change come uh, November 2022. I think the House will, we're going to take back the House, because I think Americans have already, in 100, what's it, like 110 days, 115 days of the Biden administration, they already see how crazy this is, and the Americans are saying, this is not what we bargained for. We're going to make a change, the first chance we get. Congressman, uh, sorry, I don't know what that tone came from. Um, you mentioned the border. Let's. Uh, are these things being done in symbiosis with one another? In other words, we're, we're disincentivizing Americans to take jobs by paying them money to stay home. Meanwhile, we are importing tens of thousands of migrants who are coming in here uh, is the goal here to hit, bring them in let them take those jobs and then when the unemployment benefits run out oh sorry all those jobs that we had available have been taken up by new american workers or at least new residents <laughs> with their pathway to citizenship now yeah. you are beholden to uh the government you, you now you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna I, have to rely on government for your for your uh subsistence yeah, i hope it's not that sinister i don't think so but again with this crowd um like i said you 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 can't tell the world we're going to stop any deportations we're not going to build the wall and we're going to get rid of the remain in mexico policy you can't do that and then not expect to have a flood of immigrants on migrants on the border and a crisis on our border so um you know who knows if it's that coordinated all the way through i i doubt it um but you know with these guys you never you never know what to expect and um 
uh, again, you can always expect this, though. You can always expect them to focus on making it more government, growing the size of government, which I think is, is and, and your listeners understand, which means your, your freedoms are diminished. You mentioned in your remarks uh, to the Judiciary Committee or in that hearing, um, you know, bankrupting America one omnibus bill at a time. We're, we're looking at over $6 trillion in new spending. Uh, Pelosi is proud, she says, of the return of earmarks uh, to the Congress, where those are going to be allowed for individual uh, representatives to uh, put in, you know, pork uh, spending projects for their mm-hmm. districts onto, onto larger bills. Um, and the only way this can possibly be paid for is tax hikes. Now, Congressman, they're running around, and Joe Biden said in his only address to the uh, to the nation thus far in his presidency in that joint session, uh, they're running around and saying, but it's only for the uber-wealthy. The tax increases are only for yeah. people over $400,000 a year. I, I don't know how stupid he thinks the people are, um, but right. apparently very, because uh, we recognize that these tax hikes are going to be across the board. Whether they're income tax hikes or not is another question, but we will all pay for these, you know, for these, uh, the spending program. Yeah, well, and you're already paying higher prices. Inflation is hitting. When you double the money supply, which is in essence what has happened in the last 20, 22 months, when you double the money supply, price has to go up. You can't put that much new cash in the system and not have price be driven up. And we're seeing that as a, you know, with lumber and, and steel and with, with gas and everything else. So th- that's already hurting families. Now you bring in tax increases, and you're exactly right, Bob. You raise taxes on corporations. You raise taxes on businesses. You raise taxes on people. It always trickles down. They charge, more, they charge higher prices, which is, in effect, a tax. But I, I also come back to this basic point. If deficits and debt don't, don't matter anymore, why do they have to raise taxes? Why do, why do all this crazy stuff? If you're just going to spend and borrow it, why do you still have to raise taxes? But Democrats do because it gives them more power. It puts the control with the government, and that is what they like and what they think makes sense. We all know it doesn't. Well, are they, are they even talking about borrowing it, or are they just turning on the printing presses and printing more you know, useless, worthless, weakened dollars? Because that seems to be what well, they're but, doing. Ah, well, just, that's what AOC called for. Just print more for crying out loud. <laughs> Well, that's why we're having inflation when you double the money supply. But they're also they're also selling the debt as well. So they're doing both. They're printing the money and and they're borrowing the money. Uh, and if all if you can do, still begs the obvious question. Well, people that why do you need to raise people's taxes? But they're going to do that as well because one thing you can count on the Democrats is they will always do the wrong thing that hurts families, hurts consumers, hurts our economy, hurts our country. In my judgment, uh, when, when it comes to economic growth and economic activity. Last thing, Congressman, let's talk about the pandemic restrictions uh, and and what needs to be lifted. You know, I key, every week we get a new report on uh, the new, new cases in states across the country. And once again, Texas and Florida, who are among the first states to lift all COVID restrictions. Florida barely had them in place in the first place. They knew very early on that this is not the way to, to uh, uh, restrict the transmission of this virus and to shut everything down, and they didn't. But Texas, ever since they lifted theirs, we get new numbers every week, and they are at the bottom of the list of nation of the nation yep. uh 50 yep. states in the nation in terms of new transmission or excuse me new positive tests and or transmission at what point do we tell all 50 governors and not that you can tell them what to do but you understand the point at what point mm-hmm. do they get the, the the idea here do they understand the science the science says stop all restrictions now unmask america yeah. stop yeah. locking down america let americans worship because this is at its end yeah, and, and and Dr. Fauci says, oh, we may need seasonal mask wearing, you know, into the future forever and ever and ever. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like, you know, Americans understand this. Freedom and common sense work. 
That is, that is the American model, freedom and common sense. And that's what Texas did. That's what Florida did. That's what states who are seeing the best numbers. And frankly, then also, as a result of all that, the best economic growth, they see that. And God bless the leadership in those respective states. Um, they understand that this great country is about freedom and common sense when it comes to, when it comes to everything, frankly. And, and that's what Americans have. Unfortunately, too many Democrat leaders or so-called leaders in, in these uh, jurisdictions don't exercise that. And that's, uh, that's, that's just, it, it's unfortunate, but uh, Americans get it. They see it. Yeah, well, Americans get it, but the leadership of America does not recognize that, and they continue to push this propaganda campaign out there saying, we must stay vigilant, we must stay masked, we must stay locked down. For crying out loud, and I know this is America, uh, but, but did you, have you followed the story of the Polish priest up in Canada? Uh, Congressman Jordan. No. No. Uh, oh my goodness. It's, it's an ongoing saga. They sent five or six different police officers into his church, uh, to, uh, tell them oh, to stop God. this unlawful gathering of people. He threw them out quite literally screaming out, take your Gestapo tactics out. We are worshiping here, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, they, they came back again. He threw them out again. Now they literally followed him home from church and pulled his car over in the middle of a busy highway and arrested him in the middle of the street and arrested yeah, him. For Lawful gathering. My point to that is, I know that's Canada, but the mindset is the same here on this side of our northern border among far too many of our elected officials that you cannot worship and you cannot do these things because we say so. They want a police state. They want these restrictions yeah. to stay in place. And that's what I don't understand. Yeah, never mind the First Amendment is what they're saying. We have a constitution with a First Amendment which lists five specific rights we as Americans created in God's image that we enjoy. And the fact that government restricts that is the biggest problem I see throughout this whole thing. That was the entire focus of my questioning, Dr. Fauci. When do we get our First Amendment liberties back in full force like we're supposed to as Americans? Tell us what metrics, tell us what results, tell us what outcome has to be reached, and they will never do that because it gives them power to, to limit our ability to, to, to exercise our liberty, and that is what is so wrong. It absolutely is. Congressman Jordan, if you ever get any downtime in your busy day, and I know you don't have much, do a little search for Pastor Arthur Pawlowski. Uh, you'll find okay. that story okay. up in Canada. It'll, it'll chill you to the bone, seriously, because freedom is just under attack, whether it's in the United States or elsewhere. Thank you so much, Congressman. We'll talk. You bet. Thanks, Bob. Uh, that's Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan on AM 1420. The answer, it's 10.01, time for news. We'll come back. we got your calls coming. Also got a conversation with Shannon Burns, who is the chair of the uh, Strongsville Republican uh, 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 party or, or is it Strongsville Republican Party or Strongsville Republican Club? I refer to it both ways. So, anyway, huge event coming up on Saturday. Massive political summit hosted by the Strongsville Republican Party. And uh, Candace Owens will be the keynote speaker. Shannon's going to tell us all about it next. Yeah.